Welcome to the Partnernomics Show, where industry thought leaders discuss the hottest topics in partnerships, ecosystems, and innovation. The Partnernomics Show is brought to you by Iolite Solutions, a product incubator specific to Salesforce. Now here's the host of the Partnernomics Show, Mark Brigman. Welcome back to the Partnernomics Show. It's good to have you guys with us again today. And we've got a, an awesome special guest. Cool guy, cool company, cool technology. Man, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to, to get to meet you, Rick. Uh, Rick Vandenbosch, the founder and CEO of Chan Next. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mark. Uh, I'm super excited to be here today to, uh, to record this podcast together. Well, I was going to say uh, good afternoon to you and, and good uh, good morning to me. <laughs> it's so awesome, man, with technology to be able to meet people, talk to them in real time halfway across the world. But thanks for uh, spending some time. And I've really enjoyed uh, our different conversations that we've had, getting an opportunity to, to learn more about your business, what you guys are doing. And I'm looking forward to having our listeners have an opportunity to hear more about Chan Next and the great stuff that you guys are up to. But Mary Rick, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to just kind of dig in and uh, share with our viewers that might not be familiar with you. Who is Rick? Who is Chan Next? What are you guys up to? Yeah, thank you for that introduction, Mark. And uh, indeed, always a hassle as well to uh, figure it out with all the time zones, right? We're here <laughs> in the sure. Netherlands uh, and then together with the U.S., uh, but uh, no, yeah, my, my name is Rick. Uh, I live in uh, Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Our, our company is based in Utrecht, uh, actually. And I got into partnerships. Uh, actually, I got acquainted with it at a very young age already. My A lot of my family members have worked in the channel. My father worked at Apple and then had his own companies, always related to channel with vendors, distributors, and partners. So it was really uh, a regular topic uh, at home, so to say. And then when I started my first company, uh, uh, when I was still in university, I founded a marketing agency where we helped vendors to execute marketing on a partner level. So that's where I really got acquainted with it more. And then indeed now four years ago, I uh, I founded, uh, founded Chenext, which is a partner success platform to guide your partners through the full partner journey. So enablement, marketing, selling together, and make sure that you really help them in the best way to become uh, successful. Awesome. All right, man. We're ready to do this. I'm, I'm ready to fire away some questions. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. All right. Let me hit the let me hit the clock. Let's get this thing going. Uh question number one. Partner marketing. Such a critical topic. And so many times, you know, we have some, you know, some companies out there that are learning, fumbling, those sorts of things. Give us, give us the cheat code. What are some of the biggest uh, I guess, mistakes that companies do in the topic? of partner marketing? Yeah, I think the first one is one that I made myself a lot in the beginning as well. And that was having the mindset of if we build it and create it and we put it in a portal, they will come. But the reality is that partners are not coming actually. And what we saw a lot was we were creating all those assets, we were helping the vendors, but then when we were completely relying on the partner to come and then refurbish the content and publish it on their own website, their social media, et cetera, that hardly ever happened. Even more, we only saw that less than 10% of the partners were actually using the marketing assets that were available. And that always felt very painful because you put a lot of budget and resources in creating all those assets and campaigns, but then only a fraction of your partners is using it. So I think that's really the number one that I always uh, that I see happening a lot, but which is also, I think, one of the most painful ones. So... Whenever you look at like companies that do partner marketing well, 
you know, kind of the the, the top 10%, the top 20%, the ones that do it well, what's the recipe? What are the common traits or common ingredients that goes into doing it well? I think the most crucial one is make it as easy as possible for your partners to participate in your marketing activities and maybe even get it as far as like we always call it set it and forget it so the partner just they 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 opt in for all your campaigns and then from there on you actually help them to proactively publish it to their socials to their website but i think a very big part of that and that's also a bit of our background here in emia for example is also a part of making it as easy as possible can be things like co-branding that it's very easy for a partner without anything for themselves to do to download that asset with their own logo to publish it to their end users but also very important to think about language because for example here in europe we have france we have uh, germany and there they only speak in their own language and they never post anything on their linkedin or on their website or communicate to their end users in english so already you're losing almost all those partners and oftentimes some of the biggest markets of many vendors so that's a thing I always really advise, like go the extra mile, invest a little bit extra in translating the content to your largest markets. And that already creates a significant uptick in partner marketing engagement. Well, Ricky had mentioned like co-branding is, I mean, do you find whenever you give the opportunity for easy co-branding that you get a significant uh, higher participation in, in those different initiatives? Yeah, that, that's definitely something that helps. Uh, so there indeed to make it easier, but still I think there are a lot of uh, software that like where you can co-brand easily, but that still requires the platform to go into the software and then do it themselves. But I think the big mindset shift is, okay, how can I stop wait for my partners to get come to me, but how can I integrate with my with the marketing systems of my partners and then publish the social posts and the website landing pages to them versus waiting for them to come. And that's what partners love because they are looking for that their life is being made easy. They do want to remain in control. So if you start with such automation, you need to make sure that the partner can always edit the campaigns or they can say, I don't want to participate in a specific one. But for the rest, the more you can automate and the more you can provide it in their local, uh, whether it's their local language or local vertical-based content, et cetera, the better uh, utilization you will see. Yeah, we talk about uh, making in, in products and solutions building, making the easy button or making the easy button bigger. Same holds true for partners, right? You want to make the easy button as big as possible for your partners uh, so they can you know, jump in and, and participate in your programs and continue to uh, go out there and do the great things that, that you have in there. Um, all right, let's go ahead and fire away the second question, and that is around segmentation. What is what is the power? of segmenting not only your markets, obviously we've been doing this in marketing forever, but also segmenting and how that works in with your partners as well. I, I think that's one of the most crucial things to do. I think if you start thinking about a partner program or, or scaling your channel, you need to start with the end user. So what's your ideal customer profile? Who are you going to focus on? Uh, maybe that those are specific verticals. It can be healthcare, it can be education but it can also be certain uh, company sizes. So more mid-market focus or more of an enterprise focus. And once you know that from your end user, then it's very important that you start to know from the partners that you are recruiting or that are already in your, custom, in your partner base, 
what are they actually focused on? Because then you know, okay, we want to go all out in the next fiscal year on education. How many partners do I actually have that are focused on education? In what regions do I have all the regions where I want to uh, go to market covered, et cetera. You can do white space analysis to see where you're still missing it. And I think if you don't have that, then the more partners you get, the harder it really is to find out which partners are focused on what. And then it's uh, it's a crucial part of going to market with your partners uh, together. I could not agree more. This is such a critical topic. And uh, to, to kind of dive into the partneronomics methodology a little bit, we talk about the strategic partnering plans. And what we talk about is building these plans specific to that deep level of segmentation, because it gives you the opportunity to lay out this plan that is as clear as humanly possible. I mean, we know what partnering people do. We know what salespeople do when they don't know what to do. Typically nothing. <laughs> and so being able to drive clarity is so critical. Um, so in our strategic partnering plans, these 12 component plans, we recommend that people go all the way down to these levels of deep segmentation, like you were talking about. Geographically, what does that look like? Company size, what does that look like? Industry, what does that look like? Maybe products or different solutions go all the way down to that deep level of segmentation so that your plan is crystal clear. Whenever you're talking about deal terms that you want to put in there, you're talking about uh, partner profiles for recruiting of who you're going to go after. Drive that clarity to bring efficiency to the process, but it's through that deep segmentation and really thinking all the way through that's um, going to bring that power. And then from a marketing perspective, whenever it comes over to your lane, now instead of putting out these kind of more vague, I guess, messages, now you can go really deep into handing your partners very customized messages based upon you know, the, the initiatives that they're working in. Yeah, that, that one is crucial indeed, because the, the first piece is really focused on what's in it for the vendor in terms of segmentation. So indeed, making sure you have the right partners, you have the right market coverage so you can achieve your growth goals. But what I love about segmentation is it's even more important maybe to make your partner successful. Because one of the big things that's really important if you go to market with partners is it's all about engagement and enablement to drive them to self-sustainable revenue. And a lot of partners are overwhelmed with a lot of the vendors they work with because they get into a portal, for example, where they get all the content at once. Well, most of it is not relevant for them. It's either on verticals they're not focused at, it's products that they are not selling. So if you have segmented your partners properly, you can provide them only with the type of content, whether it's training, whether it's marketing, sales enablement, that's relevant for them. So you make a super personalized partner experience, which leads to more engagement, better enabled partners and more sales and revenue. Yeah, definitely a superpower, man. That is that is an important, important topic. Uh, number three, this is one that's near and dear to my heart because uh, I enjoy solutions-based partnerships so much and, and product and solutions building. But let's talk about the pivot. A lot of times, you know, we talk about the pivot. When when do you pivot a strategy? Uh, you know, whether it's you know that, that strategy inside of partnerships. Sometimes it's product related. We have to we have to take a turn. Uh, you guys at Chan Next had a pivot. Tell us, you know, about that 
story. Tell us about that example. Yeah, thank you for that. And I think indeed what the pivot we've been through was shifting from being just partner marketing focused to being full partner management focused, which includes enablement, marketing, and selling together with your uh, with your partners. And I think one of the things, if I analyze like how the pivot happened, I think one of the crucial things is always to stay true to your vision that you had from the start. So with us, I think I'm not going to pitch it here, but very briefly, Chenext, the big differentiator is for towards channel partners is that it's one interface to manage all your vendors. So you don't have to go to separate portals, but really it's one interface where you can manage it all. And the big thing that we started with was marketing. So make sure that they could run all the campaigns with all the different vendors, but also that you could do alliance campaigns. So uh, vendors that work well together, that that's also cascaded throughout the, the channel. But the end goal was always towards the partners, like how can we make their experience as good as possible, which at first starts with marketing, but how convenient would it be for them to have lead and deal registration all in one place, to have training all in one place. So I think that was it from the get-go, but the first three years were purely focused on partner marketing because that was closest to where I was in business with my marketing agency. But it was also the biggest loophole because there was so little engagement on the marketing side in the in the channel. And I think from there on, we started building, the, your, your product gets better, but also you get more and more feedback from the market and from the customers, of course. And, and that was a bit like that, that came together towards our pivot. So it was always our dream to work towards that. But then like one and a half years ago, we started getting questions like, hey guys, we're doing this, this, and that now in Chenex. It would be great if we could also do the lead and deal registration there. It would be great if we could also have our content library in a central place uh, for our partners and we don't have multiple tools for them. And so that's, that really came together, uh, which led indeed to now the full pivot of uh, really what we call partner success platform. So it's partner management, but then with a success uh, aim uh, aim at it, where we measure everything, every interaction with every partner, with end users, et cetera. So you really get a 360 profile uh, about them. And that was how, uh, how our pivot uh, uh, rose. I love how you talked about, you know, having your customer top of mind and you want to build a solution for them, right? That, that's what entrepreneurs do. They see an inefficiency in the market they see a better way to to address this inefficiency, and then you know out comes a company, right? That's going to address that. Um, but it's it's one thing to evolve a product because we all do that, but I think it's another thing that you guys came to where you're like, you know, we're heading down a path that's not bringing the level of efficiencies for our customers that we want, and you guys rebuilt your platform. <laughs> that's a pivot. That's significant. That's not cheap. That's that's going big and staying true to your vision. And I love that because, man, I've seen too many times um, it takes a lot of courage It's to, to do that. And, uh, you know, so many times we end up having our, our businesses or our solutions or our products kind of own us instead of us own own it, right? And driving those to deliver the value and the vision that we have in mind. So, you know, kudos to you guys for doing it right uh, because those are never easy decisions. But if you are maniacally focused on your customer to deliver the best experience and the best solution that you can, 
you know, you've, you've got the conviction to do it right. So good for you guys. Yeah, I fully agree. And I, I think that's very closely aligned indeed with staying true to that vision. So for us, the vision really was put the partner experience first in everything we do. So we kept talking to partners. We kept asking them and like one of our, our messaging into the channel partner was like, Hey, are you also fed up with going to the portals all the time? And you have multiple places to go, et cetera. And, and then now we have marketing automated for you. But then at a certain moment, Chenex started to grow and we got more vendors and more partners aligned. And then all of a sudden I was realizing, oh my God, now we have one, uh, one partner who's already having four separate Chenex accounts on four separate subdomains. So we're heading into the right direction. So I, indeed, I, I got to the team and I was like, sorry, guys, <laughs> this was three years ago. Sorry, but uh, we need to throw away the old platform because we're doing uh, the same thing as which we're opposing towards the channel partners. So it was definitely a tough decision because we but because we knew from our vision how important it is for the partner to really have this one place and not have all the inefficiencies around it. It made us have the conviction to to go for the pivot. Yeah, good for you. Uh, last question I'm going to fire at you. That is uh, kind of a, that's a pretty good segue to that. A lot of talk, a lot of chatter that we see out on LinkedIn about recruiting and partner recruiting, and more specifically, the correct number of partners. Um, I have strong feelings uh, on this topic, but I will pose the question to you. What's what's the right number of partners to have, or how do we even start to answer this question? Yeah, I love that question. And indeed, uh, there's a lot of uh, chat going about it on LinkedIn as well, uh, which is uh, giving some good discussions. I, th I think it's a very delicate question, like how many partners should you recruit or where should you go? But I think if there's one thing very close to my heart, you should absolutely not recruit many partners if you don't have the program in place yet to make your partner successful. Because what you'll get then is what, what I always call the partner engagement gap, is you keep pouring in more partners but you're not able to enable and engage them. So during the, the period of time, they're actually already dropping out again. And that's one of the painful metrics I hear time and time again. In the average partner program, 80% of the partners is inactive, which means that from every 100 partners you are uh, recruiting, 80% is dropping out, oftentimes without generating any revenue. So we're wasting so many resources on it. And I think that's uh, that's very painful. Yeah, I would say at least... 80%. And, and the thing about partner recruiting, like a lot of investments that we make, the costs are always guaranteed, but the revenue never is. And so we have to be really smart about how we do that. And, you know, I think when it comes to this, this whole question around how many partners, you know, should we have? Um, there's no one size fits all to a lot of these different questions that are being posed in, in the partnership space. You know, so first and foremost, you know, what program are you talking about? You know, is referral programs, alliance programs, co-sell, resell, ISV, whatever, or on the tech side, technology partners, a lot of those relationships are one-to-one. -one. You only have one partner that's helping you um, execute this particular strategy that you have. Obviously, on the referral side, you could have dozens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands for organizations that are large enough. Um, are you an SMB like we were talking about? Do you have 20 employees? Do you have 100 employees? Are you Microsoft where you're bringing on 10,000 partners per month? Uh, there's no one size fits all. So that 
the question needs context, first of all. But yeah, I fully agree. You're exactly right. And that is, don't bring on any more partners than you can manage. Don't bring on any more partners than you can facilitate to be successful. I think, you know, as partnering professionals, we need to bear the burden, bear the onus of making them be successful or, uh, you know, enabling them, right? We talk about enablement, uh, enabling them to be successful. You know, too many times, I think whenever we have a partner that fails or doesn't perform or underperforms, it's like, ah, bad partner. Nah, shame on us first, right? You either should not have recruited them in the beginning, or you did not equip them for success, you know, after they signed the, the contract or they did the click-through agreement or whatever the case is. But uh, there is so much <laughs> efficiency and so much goodness that can come from recruiting better and recruiting right. Yeah, absolutely. And then if, I think in it, if you have your program set up correctly and you have some resource, resources to manage, it's also super crucial to look at your total addressable market. Because if you recruit too many partners and they do, do too little business to keep their attention, you'll lose them as well. So I think there again, like we started with the segmentation, that's where that comes in again. Like what uh, market are you aiming at? For example, if you're going for the UK, uh, how large is that market? What verticals are you focused at? How many target accounts are there? Which partners are already working with them? Uh, what do you expect approximately if you want to get to a certain revenue number in two or three years? How many partners you need for that? Do you have some historic data already on how many partners generate how many deal regs, how many close of them, et cetera? And, and in that way, you can really reverse engineer it a bit. But the first thing you really need to have in place is making sure that the partners you do have are successful. Yeah. So many times like, let's just sign our partnering agreement and then we'll figure it out. Man, that <laughs> is a that is a path to disaster. And I see it on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, it sounds like we, are, we have some good alignment there. Well, Rick, man, it's been great to uh, spend some time with you. Thanks for sharing your insights. Like I said, man, I love what you guys are doing at Chan Next, and I look forward to, to seeing you continue to grow the business. Thank you very much, Mark. Looking forward to, to the next one. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Partnernomics Show. Don't forget to subscribe to get the newest episodes at thepartnernomicsshow.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Iolite. To learn more about Iolite, visit iolitepro.com and Partnernomics, the science of partnering. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics courses, coaching programs, and consulting services, visit Partnernomics.com. See you on the next episode.